Today we're talking about the land, our relationship to it and to each other as families. We'll talk to you a moment here on Elevate Ordinary. Hello and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. And I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Uh, thanks again for being here for this conversation. We've got some special guests today that we're excited to introduce to you. I want to remind you, as always, that uh, if you like what we're doing on this show, check out more information at elevateordinary.com, ways to support it. Also, download the app at theawakenapp.io. That's the best place to follow this and other shows. Uh, so with no further ado, I want to uh, introduce our special guests today, Beth and Sean Doherty. Guys, can you hear us over there? How are you doing today? We can. We're doing yeah. very well. Thank you. Awesome. It's, Sean and Beth be here. are in Steubenville, Ohio, yeah. and they are Let's borrowing uh, the New Polity studio for this. We had the New Polity guys, That's a couple right. of the New Polity guys on our ago, podcast. Yeah. Awesome episode. Go check it out. Um, I'm so excited to have you guys on. Um, regenerative farming and stewardship of the earth is really important to me. And um, we did an episode on it and I just couldn't do it justice. And so to have you guys on to speak from a Catholic perspective of all you guys have been doing for the well, last It's, it's you know, bound several up decades. with what we're talking about here, right? We're, we're talking about the ordinary life. God sends us uh, all that we need to become saints here in the ordinary life. But what is the ordinary life? I mean, to us, what yes. is ordinary, what's ordinary life to us is in some sense very ahistorical, very unordinary. In some sense, uh, the kind of life that you guys are living would seem to many people very, very unordinary, extraordinary. Uh, but in some sense, it's the much more normal opportunity. And so we want to talk about families, about land, about the connections there. Um, but first, give us a little bit about yourself. You know, the Dohertys have been good friends of our family for a long time, although I've been mostly Good away. Long, it's yes. mostly been my yeah. brother and my, my father and my and mom who've interacted right. with you guys more. It's so great to be connected with you again. Tell us a bit about your your blog and your farm and your the upcoming conference too. We don't want to forget to mention right, that. Right, right, right. <clears throat> I'll let you start. <laughs> I can't believe he's going to do that to me. <laughs> um, I, I want to go back to what you said about um, ordinary life mm -hmm. and what we do is extraordinary now but we we got to where we are and the methods that we use, the kind of, of farming or homesteading we do are the reverse of that. They, um, we like to think sometimes that we could have a conversation with our great, great, great grandparents. Mm -hmm. And although they'd know a lot more than we do and we're smarter, at least we'd be talking about the same things. We'd have a we'd have a common vocabulary and a common experience. And, and not just the great grandparents, but I mean the saints all the way through the ages, all the way back That's to right. Adam and Eve. That's right? right. So we we um, met and married in the eighties, and always had not just as a dream, but as an intention that we would live in the country and raise our own food, raise our children in the country, and raise our own food. And we were living in a time when every voice of wisdom or an unwisdom around us said, basically, they would say the same phrase over and over again, you can't farm anymore. And what they actually meant was that our country's economy and political laws were being 
refashioned, especially since the 1940s, to make small farming obsolete and impossible. But what we really heard was something along the lines of nature doesn't work that way anymore. Mm. You know, like maybe the sun doesn't keep shining and growing grass and um, cows won't eat it and make milk. Yeah. But um, uh, in the face of being told that the only possibility, the only the only option to you is something ugly, our response has always been to sort of shut our eyes tight and say, I'm not listening, I'm not listening, I'm going to try it anyway. <laughs> and so we moved to the country and made a lot of mistakes. But no, we moved to the country and we tried the methods that were um, made available to anybody, including farmers since the 1940s, by way of agricultural extension bulletins. Mm-hmm. How do I raise chickens? You go to the extension office, you know, you go down to like the USDA, um, NRCS, SWCD office. Everybody has one in their town. And you pick up the, the flyer that says, here's how you raise chickens. And all of those flyers gave us sets of instructions that we recognize now and even at the time sort of recognized we're simply downscaling the present commercial method. Mm-hmm. And we didn't like it. We realized very quickly that what we were doing was kind of cute and kind of quaint and also cost a whole lot in feed. And the minute you unplugged us from the feed store, we were done. The wheels mm-hmm. fell off. Right. And, and one of the biggest aha moments for us was when your dad, yeah. we bought the, our first cow from your dad. Huh. And <laughs> so all of a sudden we're thinking, wow, we have so much milk. This is unbelievable. <laughs> now we can feed our family. We can feed the, and, and we started to learn. You can feed the animals on the farm. You can feed mm-hmm. everything with this cow. Mm-hmm. And then the next big aha moment was learning about rotational grazing right. mm-hmm. so that we had cows on grass all year round. Mm-hmm. And what was so exciting is you started to pick up the patterns that God has given us is that you farm well and your farm gets better. Yeah. It's yeah. not that we're using it up. We're not mining This is it. not a zero-sum game. No, mm-hmm. this is a system that God gave us. And of course, that as you, if you really find the groove of the system, it just gets better. Mm-hmm. It is more bountiful. We get more food. The animals do better when you start following the patterns that God has given us. Now, the problem was, culturally, that's all been lost. People don't know. And so, as Beth said, what the instructions are now is you go to the feed store. And suddenly, we're beginning to see that, wait a minute, God has a pattern here, and it works. And so, if we can follow that, if we can find that, and that's been our journey, is finding that pattern, living that pattern, and one of the big parts of it is what what we would call low or no inputs, mm-hmm. that, that the farm provides virtually everything you need. So the things that you thought I need to buy off farm, wait, no, no, that food is there. The food for you is there. The food for your animals is there. Mm-hmm. And the food for your soil is there so that we don't bring in fertilizers. We bring in very little feed Feed occasionally will bring in some feed to supplement, uh, and then for us, yeah, we 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 like potato chips and and we <laughs> tortilla chips. Yeah. But other than that, we, we really don't have to go to the grocery store. We don't try and prove a point by having 
having no dietary inputs for ourselves, mm -hmm. but we do try and design a system that will function. The wheels aren't going to fall off, right? right Until right. the yeah. sun stops shining, the wheels aren't going to fall off. What we realized in the process of, you know, of this, you take, you take two artist farmer types and four very small boys and a wrecked house on totally overgrown, trash-covered, briar-covered land. Very That's steep. us starting out. Very and it's he's up the side of a hill. And in the process of, of moving there, planting gardens, grazing goats on the briars, raising chickens, as we started to um, pick apart what wasn't, John Mark, good, true, and beautiful, what wasn't mm -hmm. our path right. to holiness, and try and figure out, so wh what was God's intention here? We realized a lot of things about farming that have been lost, partly because of industrialization and partly because when everybody knows something, nobody writes it down, right? Mm -hmm. So there aren't instructions for using a knife and fork because nobody had to sit you down and teach you to do that. Your mother taught you. And there are very few instructions out there for things like, when my butter won't come, that is, I'm churning cream and the butter won't come, mm -hmm. what do I do? Very few of them out there because that was passed down from What do you do? Because we've tried to make butter a million times. <laughs> oh, we'll go, we can talk about it later. I'll give you some, I'll give you some clues. But every once, in a while, every once in a while, you give it to the pigs because it won't come. Um, and so some of the things we've realized, all life energy is sunlight. Mm -hmm. All sunlight that's going to be a benefit to the earth and isn't just here as heat is going to be collected by plant leaves. Mm -hmm. Most plant leaves... Forested land is not typically where humans live. They make clearings because trees don't provide enough year-round um, nourishment for human beings in most systems. Forget the tropics for a minute. Yeah. So we make clearings so that we can collect sunlight in forms we can consume. If you plant a tomato, it'll take up about, you know, if you trellis it up, it's going to take up about four square feet on the ground. It's going to go straight up. And at a certain time of year, you'll get a whole lot of tomatoes and that's it, right? All the sunlight that fell on that four square feet that you're going to consume is just in those tomatoes. But if you, when, when God established human beings on the planet and they had to figure out how to eat, we're going to say post lapsarian here. Sure. Um, we had to figure out how to turn non-food leaves into food for human beings. And the obvious way was to partner with the herbivorous animals that God put on the planet. So fast forward to farming. All farming is a form of capturing sunlight and leaves and converting them into food, converting the, the sunlight, the energy into food for humans, food for the animals who help us to make this a food producing ecosystem and food for the soil that's doing all the work underground. And the dairy cow is this marvelous animal that you can harvest from twice a day, every single day. Grass to, to high quality proteins, amazing. fats and sugars overnight. Yeah. Right. And it's the best food that there is. I mean, totally. raw milk is just unbelievable and feeds everything on the farm. I was very it's blessed you know, for many, but that's how our family is connected is right. that our, right. our family milked cows for many years. Now I'm the, I'm one of the third hands for the Russell farm up north here oh nice, oh, cool. nice. When, they, when they need to go away i i step in and do some. it broke my heart they want to come to your conference john mark can you mention yeah. the conference again sure and the the conference because we mentioned that earlier is the healingland.com 
That's this conference right. that's coming up soon. Coming up April dad's 1st. Dad's speaking at it. Yeah, yeah your first dad's speaking second. at it April 1st and 2nd. of April uh, there in Steubenville, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so the Russells were like, can John Mark milk these days? <laughs> and I'm sitting here like... It's a couple days after the baby's going to be born, but I really, I really want this milk in the freezer. Right. (laughs) It was really hard to say no. (laughs) Right. 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 Um, Yeah. So maybe the baby will come early or wait two more days. Not wait. Not wait. Not wait. wait. I know that feeling. (laughs) I'm already. I'm like already there. Um, (laughs) When I first came across um, regenerative farming. I don't know. I don't even know how this came about. We had already started like eating paleo. Um, So I was connecting my, my environment with my body for the first time, really like what does my body expect? Um, And I think for people maybe who are listening, who have zero concept of what farm life may be, but they may be devout Catholics who are looking to deepen their faith. When I came across regenerative farming, it was like coming across theology of the body where it it was like this. uh, I came across Alan Savory's Ted Ted talk. That Ted talk. That is so good. And it just made, I'll link it below. It just made me feel like I was healing, hearing theology of the body for the first time where I felt like this isn't a zero sum game. That's like right. you're saying, it's a pattern. It's finding a, the pattern that God has to, for us. Yeah, like we need to reduce life on the planet in order to let some other life live, or we need to be farming GMO grains so that everybody can at least have grains to survive. This was right. like a real sustain, sustainable carbon sequestering right. regenerative thing that makes no one any money except for the small farmers, right. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and the reason it works is that <clears throat> God made the world beautifully and reasonably goodness, yes. truth, and beauty, mm-hmm. right? So all Alan is doing in that Ted talk is acquainting us with truths that we had not, that hadn't flashed upon us before. Yeah. But when you, when you hear that and see that, it should set off a light in your brain. Like, wow, that has yeah. the ring of truth. Yeah. And, and, and this is one of the problems that we had. Again, culturally, it had disappeared. So we are saying, how do we discover, rediscover how to milk cows and what to do with the milk and how to regenerate? Uh, so we decided, okay, let's, we, we started doing the research. We started, a lot of it was practice. And then we wrote the book. So you'll see it behind us oh, here. Yeah. Oh, other side. Where is, where is it? Yeah. I don't know where it is. <laughs> On the other side. Yeah. Right, Sean. So, so we wrote a, a book called The Independent Farmstead. And at first, when they said that, we we kind of like the title, The Grass-Fed Farmstead, because mm-hmm. it is grass that's feeding the whole thing. But The Independent Farmstead, not that you're independent of all people or anything like that, but that you want the farm to be able to be low input because ecosystems don't in any on 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 any large scale except for a few exceptions we won't go into export and import mm-hmm. right nutrients tend to stay within a fairly small footprint of where that photon yeah. fell to begin with, yeah. and when they do move, it's in huge migratory ways that are are reciprocal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the when you're farming, you're oh, not going to migrate huge amounts. So you need to figure out how do I keep mm-hmm. energy and nutrients here? And when you figure out how to do it, you find you don't need to import. Right. Yeah. The, the real is, I think I was reading Joel Salatin when yeah. um, I, uh, he broke it to me that 
you know, everything on this earth comes from photosynthesis, (laughs) you know, like all energy. And then once, then I started like looking at my own third of an acre in the suburb Mm -hmm. um, that I already had a garden on because that was really important. But then just thinking, like thinking along the lines of like everything that I need could be captured here if it was legal. Um, But like we could be doing it here. And what are ways that I can work with that? Um, Another big realization was soil life. Like the, right. the, the biome, the, that's the right. life that's, that's right. in the soil. You know, we live up in the, the mommy watershed where mm-hmm. we, we have these horrible algae blooms and our soil is like, oh, yeah. we don't really have soil. We just have like dead dirt and it that's doesn't right. hold anything. And that's it right. runs off into the mommy river because everything is just sterilized. You know, everything's right. dead. Because of the fertilizers that are yeah. full of salt. And, and the yeah, pesticides salt. and herbicides. That's right. That's right. Bear. And yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah right. but that's reversible. <laughs> it is reversible. Yes. And that's one of the things that's really exciting is that, I mean, we believe that this system is going to implode. It's going to stop working. And we're watching young farmers begin that process of how do we take land that is sterile now, yeah. mm-hmm. that has been sterilized with, with the uh, Roundup, with the things that they've been doing to it, with the fertilizers, and we're watching them start to turn that around. And a lot of it has to do with cows on The Russells are a great example, Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. right? Going on to cropland that had been repeatedly fertilized and sprayed, fertilized and sprayed Mm -hmm. until um, it was unreasonable to expect it to be fertile and abundant. And all Mm -hmm. they did was if I understand correctly on, on that last piece of land, not the one they're on now, mm-hmm. is move on there with cows yep. and bales of hay to begin with, since there's nothing for the cows to eat. But very quickly, the cows impact, that's what we'd call what its feet, urine and manure are doing. Right. Cows impact on that place began to restore fertility. Mm-hmm. Seeds that were in the hay, seeds that were still present in the soil came up and they were able to build pasture from... Yeah. The kind of soil you're describing. And, and yeah. it's amazing how fast. Everybody says topsoil cannot grow quickly. Oh, yeah. It's forever. Not when you're doing it this way. You can grow Top humus very quickly. Fast. Yeah. You can't grow weathered mineral. That's what's supposed to take 100 years to make an yeah. inch of. But humus, which is the important part, we can grow very quickly. Yeah, it's if, really. If we will practice restraint. Right. It's frustrating when people think about the vegetation only as compost composting down and creating soil and it's like do 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 you know that to create this inch of topsoil it takes you know thousands of years right and you're thinking only like if we leave it as a no dig prairie yes it it just goes to nature on its own and only if you take the animals off because the prairies had you know 15 feet of topsoil because of the repeated passing of of herbivore herds across the prairie. And what's been very exciting for us is we're farming, we farm our own property, but it's a convent, it's a Franciscan convent yeah, up let's the road talk about the TRs. that we <laughs> have most of our cows on. And we that used to be a pig farm and the pigs had just destroyed it. I mean, it was down to clay. There was no topsoil, there was none of that. And with the cows on there for, I don't know how many years we've been on there now. Uh, it's been about 10. Yeah. The pastures are unrecognizable. Wow. I, I want really... to add here that they're not, they don't look like golf courses either. No, that's mm-hmm. right. They look like a pasture. Yeah. One of the huge obstacles. So there are a ton of obstacles between any modern American 
and developing um, a regenerative food system for themselves. And most of those obstacles are right here because we can't picture it. We don't know what to picture. Mm -hmm. We don't have methods. And we're going to hear a whole lot of people telling us what we heard in the beginning. You can't farm anymore. You can't farm like that, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Where was I going with that? Remind me. I'm sorry. Well, the golf doesn't look like a golf course. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's right. So it doesn't look like one. So one of the things you hear is, you know, if you want to raise cattle on a given piece of land, you need to plant a pasture. You don't need to plant a pasture. Right. If you go and buy, even if you were to be really extravagant and creative and go out and buy 50 kinds of seed, which I assure you is not what happens when people plant a pasture, um, you wouldn't come anywhere near the level of biodiversity that is present in just your normal vacant lot, right? Your normal just weed patch. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing you wouldn't do is if you plant seeds, you import and plant seeds, you have absolutely no idea what that particular species is going to do or not do given the existing biosphere, right? You don't know if there's yeah. if it'll help, hurt, or just die, right? Right. So yeah. if you, our pastors at the sisters, 10 years into grazing them responsibly, grazing them well, that is um, timed, gra- not timed, but uh, periodic graze with long rest and recovery, are incredibly productive and fertile. like With you know, the natural grass. With the natural, natural grass. forages. Sure. And what we've watched is, the, is that as as we devoted ourselves and our family to figuring out what 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 is God's plan here? What is his pattern? We've watched our animals be empowered to do the same thing by managing our animals in in natural patterns. We've watched um, individual animals and genetic lines of animals taken from a commercial setting, moved into this pasture situation. Um, grow in health, grow in their ability to, I don't even like the term self-medicate anymore. Our animals aren't medicating, they're eating. But because they have this broad variety of grasses and forbs, forbs are all the things that aren't grasses and are short and not woody and your animals are going to eat them. We call them weeds. Because they have this wide variety, they maintain a really astonishing level of health and productivity on nothing but photons caught by wild pasture. Right. Yeah. It's very exciting. It's amazing. It seems like, you know, so I'm thinking in terms of, of our discussion here, like we're talking to people, a lot of people that probably aren't farmers and they may, they may see some, some real value here, but they don't, we won't establish what's their connection to it. And it seems like there's a few different angles we want to talk about. One we've already touched on is kind of on the theoretical level. This is relevant to us as Catholics because it's just true. This is yes. just the way the earth is. And and that's an important place to start, that we we have to make sure that you know that theoretically our relationship to the world is correct. Otherwise, yes. you know, our, our outputs are going to be wrong. If we think mm-hmm. of the world in terms of a zero sum game, you know, as a mine. Yeah, to be as mine. a mine to be mine where it's cutthroat, you have to kind of make it all your own versus when we had the new polity guys here talking about how the gift economy, that's the primary, that's the foundation thing. That God gave this first. It's bountiful. He's a bountiful father. If we work with him, then there's there's more than enough life. So that's an important place to start. But then beyond that, like more practically as Catholics, as Christians, as people, um, this is all relevant too because as a society, like our relationship to the land is important. 
as individuals, our relationship to the food and to, you know, like the ways our communities are structured are important. Um, I mean, talk a little bit about how, so on the one hand, some people might be called to go all the way. And if, if that's the case, you know, that they're called mm-hmm. to farming, then they should connect with you guys or other people like you. We'd love that. Many of them, many of them listening, they, they may not be called all the way there, but they can still begin to move in that direction and build community and build connections. Talk about some of the ways that you guys have done that. Like you talked about the, the sisters and we know a lot of friends in Steubenville that are, are working to working with you guys on this. Right. So uh, it is the next step. Once you're, I mean, we start with family. We start with family as the church. And then we say, we need to go beyond that. We need to reach out in community to the rest of the world. And that's what uh, we felt for a long time that the building of the farm community, we were seeing some families that were interested, you know, the Grodeyes and some other people who were interested in farming. Um, but but not a lot that were really committed to this lifestyle. And all of a sudden, maybe it's COVID related, who knows what it is. We're seeing lots of young people who are saying, this food system looks dangerous <laughs> or <laughs> looks fragile mm-hmm. or looks something. And I need to think about providing this for myself. And so we have watched lots of families come in. Uh, we've been having a lot of fun teaching them about the dairy cow and what the dairy cow is able to do. And they're responding. They're getting dairy cows and they're milking. And uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, and what we're also seeing, and this is what this conference is going to try and do, is teach people about those things, but also start to learn the the crafts, the skills that that go hand in hand with farming. So you have sheep and then you start uh, using the wool and then you make clothes or you do. So uh, we see this as a really exciting movement in this direction that was slow going for us for a long time. And now that it's starting to gain momentum, we're really excited. And uh, we think that this conference, we're going to have some blacksmithing. We're going to have um, We're going to be building making, some timber frame structures. Timber framing. We're going to build a, a John Saskovich tractor, which is a kind of mobile chicken pen you may be familiar with. Yeah. I mean, they're a little, they're really nice, but they're a little tricky to build. So we're we'll going to have, have a sawmill that. that's going to be giving us wood for this. Wow. Butter making, cheese making, bread making. I mean, we're, we're going to have a lot of demos going on. Because as Sean says, part of what we're trying to pass on isn't just the theoretical, this is very important, but it isn't just the theoretical sunlight to leaves, to cow, converting them into, converting leaves into milk, meat, and manure so that we get fed, our animals get fed, and the ground gets fed. We want to also be looking at the the, the skills and the community yep. that gets built or should mm. get built um, as people begin to connect themselves to the land. Because who are community? Community are people who stay in a place and make themselves responsible for it. For each other. Wendell Berry calls it neighborhood. And if you're going to stay in a place and make yourself responsible for that place, you're going to also be responsible for all the other people who are going to stay and be responsible. He says neighborhood are people who are staying and figuring out how they can best, how they can meet one and their own needs and one another's needs without going outside of that space. That's community. Well, 
a lot of us want community who don't necessarily feel called to go out there and milk a cow. Right. And um, there are ways that those people are also, I mean, the new polity's got us in here and they're not milking cows right yeah. now. They're building community <laughs> with us yeah. by, by filming this yeah. and in and in a hundred other ways. Right. One of the things we want to do at this conference, which by the way, um, we are on the planning committee, but this it's largely the brainchild of um, Joanna and Brian Burke, Terry McKeegan, and our son, Luke Doherty, oh. and his wife. <clears throat> and a lot of what we want to be moving toward is showing other people, here's how we're networking. Here are ways yeah. that we help one another. Um, can you picture going home and doing this yourself, whether as a farmer or as a person, say, who has a farm share that is by paying a certain maintenance fee mm-hmm. to a farm, you become entitled, you you, ha- you own a share in that farm, a, a sort of theoretical share, but it entitles you to show up and pick up um, weekly bits of the fruits of that labor, things like milk and butter and cheese and eggs and meat and, and vegetables. Those are ways that everybody can be co- becoming community yeah. without everybody yeah. milking a cow. We actually, so when the Russells started, I hate to talk about them when they're not here, um, <laughs> but when they started, you know, Don was getting ready to transition out of his engineering job and they came to the people in our, at the time, kind of small family group, like maybe 12 families. And they were like, okay, who's going to commit to buying how much, That's wonderful. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, wonderful. and we were just like, okay, you know what? I think we can commit to buying this much a week. Um, that was a, a long time ago. So it was, it was tighter. Um, but even just within our family groups, like mm. the Russells have enough customers. You right. know? That's and marvelous. That, are... that's, I've always thought that that's yeah. what needs to happen is right. maybe it starts with a farmer, but more likely it probably starts with the people who want what mm. the farmer is able to produce. And you find this farmer and you say that, that our 10 families want to support you as a farmer and here's what we want you to do. And then the farmer negotiates and says, well, here's what I can do. Mm -hmm. And we provide this really beautiful system where we're helping each other. And again, uh, you know, 500 years ago, everybody would recognize this. And nowadays we don't recognize it. And we're going to have a hard time in our in our world, I, I just think that this is something to think about talking to Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas understands farming. He understands all that kind of stuff, but he is going to have a hard time talking to us about podcasts. Oh, you mean in heaven? And, yes. In, in heaven. heaven. Yeah, yeah. Talking to us about podcasts, talking to us about electronic, you know, screens and stuff like that. But if you started talking to him about farming, he would, he would get have, that. Stuff. He would get that. Yeah. And I think it's significant that it is that that tradition which goes back to Adam and Eve, has only been broken in the last 150 years or something like that, when everybody knew what farming was. We were just at a conference where somebody was, uh, Joel actually was talking about the fact that there was a time with his, I think it would have been my parents and his parents, every woman, he, he said, I'm not trying to be sexist, but every woman would know how to butcher a chicken how to cut one how up. to cut one up you would go and you get a whole chicken and you cut it up yeah. how many people know how to do that now right yeah and that was just common knowledge well and it's so interesting too like going back to that concept of neighborhood it, it's interesting you guys are in the new polity studio we had the guys out here last summer to talk about the good money stuff 
one thing that we realized that some of the effects of the loss of this sort of culture and this knowledge and this connection, they're more subtle than others. And one that finally clicked in place when they were here last um, last year is that for years we've been trying to build community. Everybody wants community yes, these days. Right. We all recognize the loss of it. Well, we recognize finally that for many years we've been trying to like stick community back on top yes. of a very abnormal right. life. Right. But right. true community, as you mentioned, is built on people sharing life together and not sharing digital life, sharing right. practical right. life, sharing food. And, uh, I, I, as Beth was talking about things, it's it's also sharing work together. Yes. When I watch my children, and this is working with other children, when they're out doing hay together, right. or when we're butchering together, or when we're working together, that's when you see culture developing. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes it's silly culture because it's the culture of the jokes that we're telling as we're yeah. doing butchering and stuff like that. John Mark, when you were but a kid, did you ever help us butcher pigs? Oh, uh, I don't know if I ever made it out there for one of those. Okay. It, it's amazing yeah. the number of families. Kids. Yeah, <laughs> a whole bunches of families that they wanted their kids to have this experience. Mm -hmm. So they would come over when we were butchering and, and there were there was a handful of families. Now there are a regular set group of families that yeah. come together for butchering. We just did five pigs not very long ago. Yeah. And that culture that's built around working together. And part of one of the things that really stymies us is that the government has told us that none of this is safe. Right. They said you can't butcher animals. You can't drink raw milk. You can't do all these kinds of things, which are absolutely untrue. Now, these things become, yeah, yes, you could do them badly, but the real problem for these things comes from the commercial system. I wouldn't drink raw milk from a commercial system. It's, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's, it's not, not being produced for raw consumption. Right. So when the USDA says raw milk will kill you, here's why. It's full of clostridium and, and E. coli 157H7, et cetera. They're testing raw milk from a bulk tank on a commercial Ugh. dairy where that, that dairyman is not producing milk that, for raw consumption. It's not you his goal. You can't do it that's right. with that kind of equipment on that scale. Mm -hmm. Equipment of that kind and of that scale is going to get contaminated on the inside. Right. And so you're going to pasteurize so that the milk makes it to the shelf in the grocery store and makes it into your, into your refrigerator and into your glass without spoiling. Um, that's what they're testing. They're, they're not testing hand milk straight into a stainless steel bucket, taken up to the house and strained into glass, put in the refrigerator milk. That's not what they're testing. Um, one of the obstacles that people have in community when it comes to um, coming together around the table, especially around the table of local farm-raised food, is going to be fears that have yes. been... Um, instilled in us because the examples we're looking at are coming from another model. Sort of mm -hmm. like the fears that we might have. Oh, here's a great one. I tend to think of, of our generation as having been the generation that pioneered homeschooling. And then you guys, having received that much, are taking it further and saying, okay, that's a beginning. What else do we need to do to become an authentic Catholic culture? One of the fears that, um, one of the things that we lived in as the as the pioneering homeschool generation was the constant fear that we were going to do it wrong, 
that our kids weren't going to be fit to compete in the in the public arena. And if we had listened to those fears, we wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be sitting there. So now you guys, your generation has to deal with the fear that if we deviate from the government approved, government sanctioned food system, maybe we're going to get poisoned. And, um, you should have seen me. You should have seen me when we first started drinking raw milk. This man who grew up like milking his own cow and drinking and <laughs> mm-hmm. whatever. And he's like looking at me like I'm crazy because I'm like, that has sat out on the co- counter for five minutes and it's gone bad <laughs> and it's going to kill us. We need to throw it away. <laughs> I mean, I was because uh, I had I just had no education. It was just like it's funny because by the time I met you, you were already you were already, you. you know, like we need to have oh. good food for our children. We need to learn yeah. how to garden. That's and so you've funny. Done I'm glad you remember that because it all kind of smushes together for me. (laughs) (laughs) The the other thing that I'm very excited about is these skills starting to develop beyond the farm as well. Mm -hmm. So that our son, Thomas, you remember Thomas, Thomas went to Notre Dame in the architecture program. And his thrust right now is human scale building. Oh my gosh, and I see his alleyways. Yeah. Taking alleyways and that don't have traffic and using them as the beginning of community. And some of the stuff that he's doing is fabulous. Yeah. And then William is in Oklahoma right now. He's our number five son. Learning and, and in the process of building a house with structural masonry. These are skills that have been wow. lost, gone. And his, his Twitter f- or the Twitter feed of the guy who does this is thousand year houses or something like that. These houses are unbelievable wow. and they're going to be there forever it's the way that people used to build yeah. so this whole thrust with farming and with architecture and things like that are taking us back to a time that where the patterns of god were more visible the patterns of god in our world are very hard to find now you can't find them on the internet the internet would try and squash them i think so, you know, not not all elements of the internet, no, but the majority of the internet. I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so where are these patterns and how we can define them? Yeah. Yeah. When I started gardening, I mean, just plain gardening, yes. you know, like in your suburban backyard um, and saving seed and saving potato for right. next year. Right. Right. I, I could not believe that small action actually helped me understand our Lord Oh, and the, the Gospels and the Old Testament. That's right. And the Proverbs. What are like, the stories about? I, I couldn't about believe. agriculture yeah. and having sheep and All cows ages, yeah. and yeah. the land flowing with milk and honey. And I was just so afraid. I actually was, I was like afraid. I was like, what if yeah. I had never gotten through? What if I had gotten yeah. through my life and never right. gardened and never right. understood what it meant to like have one seed produce 50 peppers and then right. produce like. A thousand seeds seeds inside each pepper. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) one one thing that we're trying to do now is we're partnering with the Urban Mission, which is in Steubenville, and we're trying to create a backyard garden hub. Hub where it's it's kind of a lay down yard where we're going to have compost and we're going to not just the urban garden, you know, where a few people come in and then they garden and stuff like that. This is about teaching people how to garden in their own backyard and 
we want to have this lay down yard where they can get compost, they can get the things that they need, and then they can take that to their backyard Mm -hmm. and start doing that and grow what they want rather than the urban garden where people, you know, they kind of experiment and go to Lowe's and get their soil. And and I don't know that people really eat that. Thousand dollars. It's so right. But if you said I could grow what I might eat at home Mm -hmm. uh, and that, to me, is a, is a really exciting Teach thing. Teach people how to, to forage their weeds. Yeah. And what am I yeah. here, yeah. too? First lane salad every summer. Yeah, my I know, daughter right? keeps coming in with more weeds. that, we, And she says, this is salad. And I'm saying, oh, I don't do weeds. And they're, they're good. So I do I, do weeds. I've, I, I tell the New Polity guys this all the time. And they are probably tired of hearing it. But the time that we spent, that I spent in Steubenville, because he uh, you know, obviously spent a lot longer there than I did. You know, I went to... We, I went to the mission probably once or twice a week, just their thrift shop, Mm -hmm. you know, I went Mm -hmm. to the thrift shops because I was bored and I didn't have any family and I had, you know, a kid and I needed to get out of the house and we had no money, you know? Yeah. And so like when I, like we started spending more and more of our time and dollars downtown because it was really clear that that's where it was needed. Um, And just like my, we, we left because we were called back to community up here and I see that now. Um, But my heart, like, I just, I pray for Steubenville. I pray for the people there. Um, I just, like, it, 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 it changed me living there. And Have I, you been here since no, they started the first Fridays? No. And I cannot wait to get... Amazing. I literally and, cried when I started seeing the pictures show up from these things. Yeah. It is bringing <sighs> a community, all sides of the community. The older people, the younger people, the academic, the street people, everybody comes down for these first Friday events. And then Mark Nelson's doing these fabulous things with the Nutcracker Village during Christmas time. And there is becoming a real celebration of Steubenville. And I think if you had talked to people that came when we came, said there's no chance of that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you've got the university and it's got its own culture, but it just doesn't seem to get off the yeah. hill. And now it is, it's marvelous what the, is happening here. This and is, more and more people, yeah. and what Beth said, people are committing. They're saying, I'm going to mm-hmm. stay here. And if I'm going to stay here, I'm going to make it beautiful. Yeah. Committing to church teaching. Yes. Unleashes God's divine creativity. And you can't imagine where it's going to go yeah, you know that's right get out of the way and there isn't anything like okay so god made adam and eve and their vocation aside from being married people or or flowing out of their being married people was to farm was to garden and you can't imagine as you said the thought of say reading the psalms now and not having the insights that you're gardening and your parenting, right, have mm-hmm. given you is a little scary because you think, yeah. you know, this could have not happened. And then I would be crippled to that extent in my ability to respond to God, okay. crippled yeah. by my inability to read his word yeah. and understand it. I don't know if you remember Maria Cross, John Mark. Yeah. But Maria is a farmer now. Mm. She's married a lady farmer in Massachusetts. And when she began to find her vocation as a farmer, I remember having a a wonderful sit-down conversation with her that was exactly that experience for her. She'd been going, she'd been visiting 
Maria, forgive me for talking about you online. <laughs> um, she'd been visiting pseudonym religious houses. Well, she's a farmer and, and a woman Catholic farmer. I, I want I want models for that out there. And she does she does end up in magazine articles and things, so you can look her up. But she's she'd been visiting visiting convents as she explored the possibility of a religious vocation. And she I don't know if she was visiting one that was farming or if her farming was separate because she did some farming professionally. Um, she realized I, I'm almost losing the ability to hold this conversation with people who don't have some kind of farmer garden background because that's an obstacle to understanding the depth, the completeness of God's provision for us. Right. And the, Every I can remember vaguely the process of my eyes opening. Now I can't think without mm-hmm. knowing myself to be part of this this beautiful mm-hmm. terrestrial creation, cosmos creation that is God's plan for us. We're not little isolated atomic human beings mm-hmm. banging around like like gas atoms in a bottle, right? Which probably also aren't like that even though we picture it, you know, they're, they're probably related. Well, we're intimately related to the entire cosmos right. and mm-hmm. there are our mechanistic human built environment that, that has been more and more the, the sole reality for people since halfway into the industrial revolution does not model for us God's creativity, God's fatherhood, God's mm-hmm. existence, let alone his fatherhood, his creativity, his care for us, um, it doesn't model it to us. So the less our experience exposes us to nature, you know, capital N, the way people say nature, meaning all that growing stuff out there, the less our experience exposes us to that instead of cars and walls and artificial light and so forth, the less we're capable of looking into God's eyes and saying, I see you, Lord. You and know? to say the lamb of God, to know a lamb. Right. You know, to there's, you know, that that's not just a, uh, an arbitrary choice to call him the lamb. And it's not of a God. cute euphemism. Right. No, this, there's something about the lamb and its weakness, but it's beautiful that gives us insight into who, who our God is. He doesn't, there are other things that he's not, you know, but he is a lamb of God. Yeah, the competing worldviews here, I think is a really practical point that we, by the seemingly ordinary aspects of our daily lives, we are slowly being uh, habituated to one of two worldviews, either the one where we're proceeding back to nature. And again, as you said, not just nature, the the, the plants, but nature in terms of the natures of things. The way that God created you as a human being, as a man and woman, as a family, as like that you're either proceeding back to an embrace of things as they are in God, or you're proceeding away, trying to technologically escape from things as a nature to remake the world in the image of the current society. Right. And the image of the current society, what we see in the competition is mechanical, the, the engine the way that when you want to solve a problem, you just tinker with it a little bit, as opposed to trying to find the pattern as we do in nature. So if if our whole metaphorical system becomes mechanic, 
that uh, it's engine, it's uh, that's how we need to do things. It changes everything. It changes how you do medicine. It changes how you live. It changes. Uh, we turn ourselves over to, you know, I'm seeing you getting ready to birth and we did home birth mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the mechanical, that's not the mechanical way. The mechanical way is to get your mechanic in, your doctor, mm-hmm. and let him do it. And then this baby comes out, as opposed to it being yeah. a natural method, which is I'm the mother and I'm in control. Yeah, I was just telling my my doctor the other day, not my, OB, I don't have an OB anymore because we home birth now. But the the change that happened, our first home birth was our fifth. And the change that happened in my my yes. thought, like I thought I knew theology of the body. I thought yes. I had an appreciation of my body. Um, but the information that changed once I I had to take control of my pregnancy right. and my birth, right. whereas I had just been waiting for people to tell me what to do. So have you totally done a podcast different. on that yet? We're going to do it next. Um, I'm going to have my midwife in who's got 16 oh, kids. That's great. That's I'm so right. glad. That's everybody, everybody, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, <laughs> yeah. But we, we and actually. Then you need to have one on breastfeeding and how that, you know, is such a wonderful, yeah. natural, like beautiful system. And we found for us, you know, that it really helped with spacing of children in a very natural, the natural pattern. It's there. God has it there. If we just believe in it and buy into it, but go for it. And that's, you will not find the pattern going to Walmart and Kroger's. Yeah. So if you start that process, there is a lot of throwing ourselves into God's arms in trust in, in all of life, in farming and parenting and, in in and, in engendering children, right? Yeah. If that's the right word. Well, I think that's the key point there, right? Because again, even with the list of things that we just went through, that now we can't go into deeply as topics, right? Right. You know, the issue is not, uh, you know, either using some technology or not. It's not about innovation. Right. It's that no, no. Fundamentally, one or another thing is at the base of your worldview. Either the yep. world is something right. received from God that right. we reverently um, work with and build upon, and or, uncover. Yeah. Or it's that, no, no, no. It's a blank slate. Everything right. we have, we have to make for ourselves. That's right. Uh, things don't have natures. Things can be whatever we decide to make them and, and we're going to make them however we want and we can make a better world than it is. Uh, right. And and you're going to buy into one of those two ways. And so you're either going to mm-hmm. receive from God or you're, or you're always, gonna be, and this is true in every area of your life, whether it's your health or your money, as we right. talked about with the new mm-hmm. polity guys, right. you're either your, buying your marital trust. relationship. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, God is either yeah. a good and gracious, giving and abundant father, or you're living in some false reality. <laughs> you right. know, that and, and children are either this wonderful gift from God or this thing that is kind of a pain that I have to live with. Parasite. And, and we have just, you know, we're for young families who are thinking, oh my gosh, I, I'm kind of overwhelmed with these kids. And, you know, the payoff as our kids are aging, is unbelievable. You know, our kids are fabulous. They're doing these wonderful things. They're all um, still committed Catholics, which we're very excited about, which, which, you know, is essential to us. And um, uh, they, they're taking what 
a lot of the work that we did and they're taking it the next step. Mm-hmm. They they are better at all of the things that we do than we <laughs> than were. We are. And it's so exciting to watch that. Yeah. Well, we, we have to bring this thing in for a landing. Can you, again, tell us more about where people can contact you and they can find out more about the conference? That's great. So yeah. Beth's, Beth is really the big blogger. So okay. Sean mentioned our book. This yes. is our book, The Independent Farmstead. We wrote it in 2014. It came out in 2016 from Chelsea Green Publishing and in Vermont, which is, we're very proud to say, the best publisher in alt-ag in the country, they published Joel Salatin and Elliot Coleman. Nice. I mean, this is, we're very proud of this book. We hope that it helps other people um, develop a mental pattern that will help them turn their land into an independent farmstead for food and fertility. And we're very excited. And, and we're very excited about the conference that's coming up April 1st and 2nd. And that's just outside of Steubenville. Uh, it's in the Steubenville area. Uh, And it is going to be about this kind of lifestyle and living this. Um, Also, Beth has a blog out there called One Cow Revolution. You can imagine where that comes from. Uh, And she writes on that frequently, uh, putting out posts about what we've learned from being on the farm and stuff like that. And another big conference that we really like is the Homesteaders of America. Um, They have been doing some really getting pulling together some great people and they are doing multiple conferences and um we speak for them frequently and think that they're doing great work so if you want to know more about our conference go to thehealingland.com um this is going to be a conference aimed at for by with young farming families specifically they're going to be farm tours of Farms that have started within the last five years, homesteads um, in families who really, really like put all their eggs in that one basket, threw themselves wholeheartedly into homesteading. So people are going to be able to see young families with cows and pigs and chickens and sheep and goats and turkeys and big gardens who are trying to manage them in an ecologically sound way. But also, also not the, jumping out of the world. I mean, right. these are keeping people who job. are keeping their day job, but this is a lifestyle choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And it's a great opportunity for young people also to come together. We, we have a young farmers, a single farmers, young farmers track. And this is going to be a chance for a lot of, it's not overtly either Catholic or Christian, but it is in fact both, mm-hmm. um, for a lot of young people to come together and begin to practice how it is to make community. Wonderful. Well, I'm going to load this episode up in the show notes with lots of links, lots of books, um, some that we've talked about, some that we haven't. Um, As I'm thinking as we're running out of time, like books I would have liked to talk about. Um, So, uh, so yeah, please find the show notes, check the show notes. Maybe I'll try to like put them as first comments on YouTube or something like that. So um, guys, Thank you so much. And we need to make oh, this it such a pleasure. Yeah. Come it's down on, and stay with us. Yeah, it's on our docket to come down to Steubenville, especially for our first oh, that's Friday. Wonderful. Um, that's great. But lots of people are having babies, so we got to right. maneuver it around the babies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you guys so yeah. much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank this you. has been this great. This has been fun. Awesome. Well, and thank you for, for listening or watching this, this program. Again, we talk a lot about virtue on this show. Uh, and, and, you know, this conversation... Uh, we can't all jump 
in there at once, but we can begin to take steps. And the first most primary step, as we talked about, is in trying to embrace the, the, the ordinary that we all have access to, which is nature in the big sense. Our nature of our bodies, our families, the food. And we can begin to take steps to reconnect with what God is, is handing to all of us. And so I encourage you to do that. Let us know how it's going. Uh, send us an email. Again, if you want to uh, follow the show, support the show, check out ElevateOrdinary.com. You can also download the Awaken app where you can access the show at theawakenapp.io. And once again, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. We'll talk to you again next week. God bless.